Kelly, I'm sick. What? That is, that is shocking information, Sarah. Nobody's getting sick right now at this time of year. Nobody's getting sick. Well, I feel like our audience needs to know that I'm sick this particular time because A, you can hear it in my voice, but B, if I start coughing like mid-sentence, I'm just going to turn the microphone off so nobody has to hear it. And then you're going to just have to pick up and start doing like a song and dance or something. I'll just monologue. It'll be fine. I mean, really, okay. you know, it's fine. I'm sure. I'm sure you can handle it. Actually, though, it's, it's honestly like not shocking, right? You have been super stressed and very busy and the flu has been like sweeping across the West Coast. It's like basically inevitable that you got to say. Yeah, it's true. I was laughing because I think I've been through, like, you know, they do those lists of the most stressful things that humans yes. can go through, right? So I moved house. I'm going through a separation. I started a new business. What else? I feel like that's probably us. Right. You're like, did you also get fired from a job or get pregnant or have a loved one die? I feel like those are the. Oh, good. I'm missing. I'm missing those ones. Nobody's died. So we're good. We're good. Yeah. I was thinking about this, the inevitability of stress also this weekend because I did a race, Sarah, and I just walked off the course a little over halfway through. I just like literally just stopped running and I was standing there and I was like, oh, I should start running again. And, And I was like, no. And in retrospect, it was inevitable because I've been very stressed and very emotionally like beaten up. And I just had like no mental, what's the word? Wherewithal, give. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, that's a funny one. That's actually happened to me one time before in a race where it was, it's almost like your body defaults, like takes your brain out of the loop. Oh, right? it did. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. So your brain's kind of going, okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. And suddenly you realize I'm walking. So I'm happened. walking. It happened. It happened to be in Kona. I was describing this. You're thinking, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't. Go. Oh, I quit. Huh? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I walking right now? Yeah. <laughs> so it can happen to the best of us. Yep. exactly. See, it happened to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Okay, coming up on the show, speaking of the best of us, Kelly's mom is back with a voicemail. We're going to ask why there are so few women at some races, why some races fail, and does triathlon have a retention problem for the pro women? If We Were Riding is brought to you by Noon Hydration. And Sarah, I think it sounds like you could use one of Noon's immunity tablets right now. Ooh, tell us more about that, Kelly. <laughs> I'm actually holding them in my hand right now. Orange citrus, which would boost your immunity system since you seem to be having the winter cold. But they also have a whole bunch of products. They have sport tablets and vitamins. And my favorite is the performance drink. That's like the powder you put. I just put it in like a water bottle, sip on it while I'm typing on the computer all day. It's basically the same as like a Coke or a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Except it takes care of your hydration needs. Exactly. What's your favorite flavor? Oh, I actually can't tell you what my favorite flavor is because they're about to come out with a whole bunch of new stuff and it's super top secret. So I can't tell you what my favorite flavor is. You're just gonna have to stay tuned. But I can tell you that all of their products have like super high quality ingredients, like good for the earth, very clean and specifically formulated for women. So. Ooh, I love it. Okay. Okay, top secret information. You're going to hear it soon right here on the If We Were Riding podcast. Awesome. Okay, and, and folks at home, you can use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off at NoonLife.com. So that's IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. Live Feisties If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. 
Ask Kicker makes activewear for women, featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ask Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's RIDING, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so last week... On the podcast, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. We talked about the question. Well, we talked about a lot of things, but we talked about the question of wearing makeup during workouts. And I think we both landed on, no, we don't personally, but you know, you do you, whatever. And my mom had some thoughts about this. Your mom had some thoughts. Yeah. I was very happy to hear from your mom. So. Well, hey there. Do you have makeup on right now? I don't. Who out there is wearing makeup in their day-to-day life just because they like it? And then I would question, why do you think you like it? Hmm. Kelly was being very tolerant with her whole, you do you, wear it if you want to, don't wear it if you don't want to. I really feel a little iffy about where that wanting to wear goo on your clean skin actually comes from. About five or six years ago, I was in class and we were working with a poem called Barbie Doll. It's by Marge Piercy. And the kids were talking about like all these images in the poem and all the things women do to themselves to be perfect and why you even want to be perfect in the first place. But anyway, the things women do to themselves. And one of the kids said to me, but Miss Dunleavy, you're wearing makeup and you're, you're like smart and stuff, right? You know that society's telling you these things. Why do you do it anyway? And I had to stop and think, damn, you're right. How can I stand up here and talk about the power of society to uh, oppress women? Because you can get used to anything, even oppression. And from that day on, I haven't worn makeup. I just, I'm not going to be party to this. So yes, People wear high-heeled shoes and, and are convinced that Manalo Blahniks are gorgeous and beautiful and make them look sexy. Only because society told you so, you are ruining the bones in your feet. And yes, mascara makes your eyelashes look thick, but it also creates bacterial infections and can ruin your eyesight. And it's expensive and stupid. So yeah, you can get used to anything, even oppression. Okay, I feel like we should first off remind people that they can send us voicemails too. (laughs) That is not just my mom. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, folks, if you want to send us a voicemail, go to your voice memo thingy on your phone. You can do it any way you want. Honestly, I'll give you my phone number. You can leave it. I never answer my phone anyway. You can just leave it on my answering machine and whatever. But message us, send us your voicemail one way or another because we definitely want listener opinions. But yeah, your mom was very feisty on this one. She had opinions. She had thoughts. 
Here's what I, I even emailed her back when she, cause she emails us. Her, so I was like, mom, you're a fashion historian. Like that's what she studied in like grad school and stuff. Cause she's a costume. You know that throughout history, people have worn things for all like variety of reasons. Like let's give it to them. Everyone has their own special personal, personal reasons. They're doing something. Yeah, that's true. That's well, I, I mean, Although we did need people like your mom and her generation to be the first people who she's maybe not the first people, but well, to be the people who stopped wearing makeup. Like we need those people. Right. Right. So. And I totally, I mean, I hundred percent understand her point that you are not actually making your choice about <laughs> wearing <laughs> possibly cancerous stuff on your face because you are devoid of all influence from outside forces right which we also talked about last right. year on the podcast like you are not making choices independent of society not even you or me or my mom everyone's making their choices because of a variety of things that have you know played onto them yeah it's true i think although i think of oh my mom if she listens to this she's gonna hate that i said this but i think like my mom my own mother who's a little bit older than your mom and she can't like she has trouble leaving the house without her lipstick on like so right. it's become a thing where that's how she like she she sort of identifies herself outside as she presents herself in the world somehow like with this lipstick um, which i find kind of funny um but but you know that's like that's her so makes her comfortable and confident right. so maybe and, and you just need to break down sarah the societal structures that tell her she needs her lipstick see there you go that's I'll, all you have to do i'll give her the feminist lecture later. <laughs> <laughs> you're like in other multifaceted multi-factored issues and answers <laughs> why do certain races have fewer women so this past weekend was dubai um did you i'm sure you raced dubai but this past weekend was dubai 70.3 which is kind of the first big race of the year and it always has a very competitive but like very small field and every year I feel like it's this perennial question that comes up with Dubai or with Bahrain back in December or with, you know, some of these races that are remote for a lot of athletes, like far away for where the majority of athletes are mm-hmm. that people are always like, why is that feel women's field so small? They, a lot of times people point to it and be like, well, there were only four women and it paid six deep. See, there aren't enough women. The women's field isn't deep enough. Like it's easier to be a female for like in the worst iteration of this question. It sounds like that. But mm-hmm. even from people who don't mean it that way, they're just like, why didn't women, why didn't you want to do that, Kelly? I got, you know, it had money. It had points. Like, it sounds like a good race. Why didn't you go to Dubai? And I was like, well. You're like, well, it's January. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. I mean, I guess it wasn't January this year. In previous years, it has been. It was like, what, the first of February? Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I think that timing has a lot to do with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like that there's not one big, big reason why some races have fewer women that the reason people pick races is often timing, logistics, how cheap, you know, does it make sense? How cheap are flights? Can they get arrangements from the race director? Does it fit with their schedule? And you have to factor in that when you talk about female pros, the vast majority of female pros are North American based. It's like over 50%. And then obviously like Europe's the next biggest one in Australia. So it's just that's far for North America that we're also in our off season. It's just, that's just the reality. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, and people do bring up this point about places like Dubai, like United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and whether they're accommodating for women. But honestly, like having, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East, so I'm a little bit biased, but I think 
it's a lot harder to race in Asia. <laughs> I think that it is like, like Dubai is a big modern city. Everybody speaks English there. You can take a cab wherever you want. There's restaurants that you recognize of every kind. You can, you know, it's like, it's completely, it's, it's easy. It's expensive. It's expensive, but it's easy versus like, I mean, I remember your stories from China, just trying to find was like not food easy. you could eat or no. you wait to town or can't, and nobody could speak English. Uh, that sounds a lot more difficult to me. But that is also like a perception issue. I think that there is like a reason women stay away from the Middle East races, which may be a perception. Maybe they're wrong. Like maybe it's totally fine, but there is a perception issue. There's also yeah. a reason women stay away from the South. Like South America also has a perception issue. Those, those races have like the lowest percentage of women when we talk about age group. Mm-hmm. The South American races have very few women. Well, and I think to your point previously, that's, it's super interesting that like in these countries where there is less women in general doing the sport, there's also less pro women and that a lot of the pro women are from North America versus like Europe who can easily access a place like Dubai, right? There's actually more pro men that live in those places. And that like on like the percentages, does that make sense? So like there's a Mm. higher percentage of pro men than there is than in North America compared to the women. So there's like less of a pool of pro women in Europe who would want to go to a race like Dubai. So it's like, yeah, like everything. Kelly, like, it's, it's multifaceted. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> there are some races that are trying to attract more women, which again is multifaceted. I mean, you hear a lot, uh, cause I'm going to do Peru 70.3 and I was talking to the race and they're trying to get more women down there. And so they have that thing with the, there are 25 extra spots for the age groupers for knees like for the world slots. championships. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 25 extra slots for the 70.3 world championships for women, which is this whole thing. Iron man has done this year. Um, they've given those extra slots to certain races where they're trying to promote more women. But I don't actually know if that's, I don't know if there are, if women are going to say, Oh, there's more spots. I will do this race. I mean, certainly some women will. Yeah. You'll get a couple because that, that does happen, say in China, for example, definitely um, happened I in know, China. Like we know Jordan who's called into the show and left a voicemail before, <laughs> um, as has chosen races in China to qualify for, well, for Kona, but for 70.3 worlds too, it would work. So there, there are going to be some women for whom that works. But again, you're like trying to draw from probably a mostly North American group. It's right. a lot of travel, a lot of money. You're like, what I think will probably make a bigger difference and like this will get to our next point too is like the little things at the race. Like Peru wants to have more women at its race. So it's doing a lot of little things also to make more women, locally women, feel good about it, right? Like there, I know this, like there's a female race director and you know, you're seeing a lot of women in their ads on their Instagram. They're doing local swims. You know what I'm saying? Lots of things mm-hmm. that make up the culture of the race. Right. And that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. And it's also like a probably a multi-year project. If a race really wants to increase the number of women, they're not going to, they're not going to like the first year, the first year, and then you sort of build on the mistakes you made or the things you did well and continue on. So you have to keep asking that question, I think of yourself as a race director for years. You also see, but this was the next thing we are going to talk about. You also have to figure out where you failed and where, where you succeeded overall. Mm-hmm. like why do races fail or succeed and i think we're going to again say sarah it is a multifaceted answer <laughs> <laughs> it totally is well because and this came up because challenge baja got canceled right i mean this came up i was reading the guy at tbi the triathlon business international conference which we talked about last podcast and podcast 
to go. There was a guy there who's a race director who was talking about why races fail. And so I was reading his thoughts on it. And then I was supposed to do Challenge Baja in four weeks and it got canceled this weekend very like haphazardly. I didn't even find out it was canceled. Someone forwarded me an email they got in Spanish and I had to, <laughs> my Spanish is not that good. I had to get someone to translate it. <laughs> and it said, and unfortunately, yes. that it was canceled. <laughs> and so, I mean, that obviously that like hurts that brand for sure. And there's for sure people who are going to be less likely to do the other challenge Mexico races. Cause you're like, eh. yeah, is yeah. it going to get canceled? Yeah. Okay. One thing I need to bring up, I think this has happened in a lot of communities in, especially in the North American context is that like Ironman came here and bought a five, five race series, one of which is now the Victoria 70.3. Oh, you mean they came here as in they came to Victoria here. Yes. In my location, Victoria, (laughs) BC, Canada. And the race owners sold a series with five races to Ironman. Right. Right. Now, Ironman after I think a year, killed four of the races right and, right and now one of the races exists so where we used to have this great race series that spanned the whole summer season now we kind of like it's hard to find a good olympic distance race around here right and and part of it's not like i'm not just like blaming iron man oh they killed it like they also killed they kept 5150 for a little while and then that wasn't working for them you know like their olympic yeah, distance yeah. branded races and so then they canceled all the 5150 branded races. And then that killed one of our local races. So I think that's happened. It's happened in a number of places. Happened yeah. a few places. Yeah. I mean, so th- that would be one. Yeah. When you talk about like, why do races fail? Why do they succeed? Obviously there are specific things that local race director can and can't do, but then there are things that are like outside their control. And yeah. one of them is definitely one of the things outside their control is how they fit into the larger context of like the triathlon calendar and the triathlon industry. And there were a number of instances in the last few years where Mm -hmm. there was a very popular local or medium sized or large, small race that got bought and either bought and killed or bought and consolidated or Mm -hmm. told if you don't sell to us, we're going to put a race next to you anyway and kill you. Right. Like, right. We know these things happened over and over. Yeah, for sure. Another one we've talked about a few times is about the changing, like the climate change. Yes. Right. So we saw that happen with wildflower where climate change was affecting how much water was in the lake. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong here because the details I'm not sure on. And then they eventually came back. So I suspect that affects things too. Like in places that keep getting like every summer, it just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter until you're like, we, this is not sustainable. We can't have a race here. It either snows or it's like way too hot to race. Wildflower had a very, I mean, I'm doing wildflower this year. Like even though the smartest, like the, even though the rational smart pro thing to do for a number of reasons would be to do St. George. Like, no, fuck it. I'm doing wildflower. But wildflower had a number of these issues we're talking about because they had like, they were the local race, but they weren't part of the Ironman series. You know, like you had to want to do that race, not because you were getting points or anything. And then they had the competition thing where the other race in the region was scheduled for the same weekend often the other large mm-hmm. race, uh, St. Yeah. George. And so that drew a huge, and then they had the climate change thing where the right. drought devastated the lake for three years and mm-hmm. people didn't know if it was happening or not. And the whole park got shut down. Like even when the race, like there wasn't like last year, 
the park had to be reopened after a year and they were literally chasing raccoons out of cabins before <laughs> everyone got there. <laughs> so it's like, so they, it had so many issues that weren't some of which were in their control and some of which worked. And that's, I guess my point is that there's, it's almost like this microcosm of all the things happening in yeah, the industry. But, but wildflower survived. So I think like, well, maybe if we so ask far, the question yeah. the other way, like, how do you, how do you create a race that doesn't fail? You can like, <laughs> you, you have to become like the people's favorite. I know. I know. I mean, wildflower survived so far, but the other four races that that company put on have not come back yet because they don't have the cash oh, flow Interesting. because they don't have the cash flow yet. They're hoping to have enough to put, bring back the next one next year. Right. And it was a quarter of the size last year when it came back. Wildflower right. was. So what is the whole thing we keep saying? It's going to get worse before it gets better, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to get better. Then it's going to get better. So, so because we said it come. because we yes. said it so it shall be so everyone should come to peru with me all the women and then come to wildflower and also find me a race to replace challenge baja because it got canceled so. oh and next year like party in dubai in oh january. yeah there you go next year i should party in dubai in january yeah. basically yeah, there we go there we go the other thing like these are all things people basically emailed or like asked me about this week and the other thing someone emailed us are Favorite stati- try statistician, mm-hmm. Torsten, emailed an interesting question, Sarah, because he was listening to a podcast that said the average NFL career is 3.5 years, which is a very common stat. Like that's, I've heard that a billion times. I've heard it so many times, like I actually question if it's true or not. But the average NFL career is 3.5 years. So then he was trying to figure out using his math numbers what the average pro triathlon career is. Interesting. Okay. So just so, just so we're all on the same page, that's Torsten Rad who does tryrating.com. Okay. And did he come up with anything? Well, he was trying, he was trying to figure out different ways to measure it. And he's still, I think, I don't think he wants me to like reveal all of his secrets, but <laughs> he's still working out in different ways. But the reason he emailed was because he had tried some different numbers and, you know, maybe it's like four and a half years, maybe it's five. It just depends on how you count career launch. It's really hard to do for triathlon because we don't have team contracts we sign on to necessarily. So how do you know if someone's retired or if they're going to do one more race right, or, or if they're just injured that year or they're coming back the next year or they're away having a baby right and they're going to come back and they might not even know if they're coming back but his right? net point they don't even know and so he was trying different ways but his net point that he thinks he's still plusing around with is what if the average career is shorter for pro women than for pro men right that's interesting although like it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that much I think we're like, as you, as we know, we've talked about, we've talked about this a number of times where sort of the more bottom half of the pro women's field are often not encouraged to take the pro card in the first place. But also we, we both know a lot of people who take their pro card for a year or two and then go back to age group because the rewards are greater. Right. They get more free product from sponsors and and (laughs) winning your age group is way more fun than being like 15th in the pro race. So I, I think that you have that, like, it's like an opposite take on that. And then also you have like the obvious thing where like baby making time comes around the same time as like one's pro triathlon career. True. And, um, and so that it wouldn't surprise me if that had an, an effect on the numbers as well. For sure. It is a sport where you hit your peak kind of later. So it does more coincide with yes the kids thing. I mean, we've talked a ton about potential 
retention problems among age group women, like that the age group women in triathlon don't have a reason to stick around. They don't have anything to grow into. They don't, they, we haven't given them a runway or, yeah. or a pro- progression. I hadn't totally really thought about that once you moved up into the pro field, like whether or not we've given the pro women somewhere to go, you know, whether there's a reason for them to stick around. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. And like last week, we talked a lot about culture and whether we could change the culture of, a sp- of the sport, right? And I think that culture piece would probably affect age group women more because if you're doing for something sure. for your leisure, like your leisure activity, right? Then your the culture matters more than if you are if you want to win. Like by the time you're at the pro ranks, you're like, I don't care if it's welcoming or not. I just want to win this thing. I just want to win this thing. <laughs> I actually think though that one of the things. People, I most notice moving up to the pro women's field, and I know it, I actually have a bunch of friends who are moving up this year um, for their first year in the pro field. And what I keep telling, like, it's almost that the culture gets so much better. Like you're suddenly going to be like, oh, these are these are all the people I'm supposed to be with, and they're go- they welcome you. I mean, they don't. Like some of them are mean. The European girls are sometimes mean, but like they welcome you and, and everyone like knows the same thing. You're, you're speaking the same language, basically, all of a sudden with everyone else in the room. Right. Right. So you're going to find your people. OK, so so maybe out of this, we can we can have a we can encourage the good age groupers to step up because over here in the pro ranks, you will find your people. You will find your people. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> OK, so I think that's it for that. Right. Well, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on career? <laughs> okay. No more thoughts. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to roll our outro. And after that, Kelly and I are going to talk about whether or not we're, we continue to do our sport when we retire. We would like to thank Ass Kicker Inc. for supporting the podcast. And remember to go to livefeisty.com, click on shop and use the code RIDING to order your Live Feisty tanks, tees, hoodies, and leggings. Follow at If We Were Riding on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And subscribe to our feed on iTunes or wherever you listen. If We Were Riding is produced by Live Feisty Media and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our awesome editor is Aaron Hamilton. can tell me to stop this time like the last time you better get ready to race in the titty to do this show you what the truth is i step on the field it's time to get real i'm feeling so ruthless you know who lauren fleshman is right the very good runner who now i feel like she's like more famous now that she's not a runner she she's a figure now she's a she's a figurehead she's she's also she's very a very good writer I think a number of people are trying to get her to write a book, having talked to some publishers. Anyway, so she's a very good writer. So she wrote a piece this past week about how when she was trying to make the Olympics, she would look at the pros who were past their prime and be like, oh, God, I'm not sticking here. I'm, that's not going to be me. I'm going to quit when I'm ahead. I'm not going to be out there getting last place like you. Right. And then she like placed all these judgments on herself and on other people. And she accepted other people's judgments. And now she's retired. And now she's basically kind of in the last year, like come back to running for fun. And she's like running with her club team, essentially. For fun. I'm sure she still would kick my ass or whatever, but you know what I mean? For fun. And that she's taken that she's like realized she's taking away these, this judgment that she used to have. And so here's my question. 
Mm -hmm. One, do you have that judgment? Are you like, oh man, when I don't want to be like the last, I'm, I don't want to be slow. I don't want to be, I'm thinking, what is the quarterback who like hung on for too long? Who was really, really good. Everyone will know (laughs) who I'm talking about. The green Bay one, Except me, (laughs) the green Bay one, Brett Favre. Anyway, he hung on too long and it was ugly. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be that person who hangs on too long. Did you? Well, yeah. I definitely related a little bit to Lauren's, um, the, the part in Lauren's article where she talked about, it's almost like that arrogance of youth where they're sitting in the coffee shop with her like elite running team kind of in their twenties, looking at some, you know, aging runner going, <laughs> I'm never going to be that person. Like, I think, you know, I think there's, I can't think of a specific instance right now and I wouldn't want to embarrass myself by telling it, but like I can. I can imagine that kind of thought of myself as a young person, like as a 20 year old, Okay, you know, kind of being like, being a bit like, no, I'll just do something different then. And now, now that you're wise, now that I'm old and wise, I am. No, I, I definitely, I haven't gone, like I haven't done triathlon since I've retired, but my retirement's also recent. So I'm definitely. You also, I mean, you also had that year that you kind of like dragged it where you were like, I dragged that thing out. <laughs> like, I think it was two years. It I think you like, showed up to a race here or there, but you were like, eh. it's like, I hope to not come last. <laughs> and then I, and then I, oh, sorry, there comes the coffee. I, I definitely like squeezed everything out until the end. Okay. So yeah, definitely like it hasn't, it hasn't come back around and it may never. And it might. But also like in triathlon, it's a little different than running because runners, like we talked about earlier, like runners do peak a little earlier. Right, right, right. right. And, and also like, it's different if you, it's different if, like, I remember okay, Karen Smyers, okay, who won Kona in 1995. I remember being in St. Croix, like maybe five or six years ago, Karen, maybe even less. Karen was 50 years old and she had entered in the pro field. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I remember at that time thinking, wow, that's amazing. Like, right. Well, that, that is crazy. Still, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That she's still, I just wouldn't want to be, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm okay. Not, here's the, like here's the converse own. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have seen a few pro like McKaylee Jones, for example, has been racing again recently uh in the age group field i've seen her she did alcatraz when i did it a couple years ago she's like wildflower maybe a year whatever she's been racing i've seen her at races in the field but she's in the age group because she she retired she quit i don't think she even did triathlon for four or five years and now she's coming back and there's and i have heard so many people because i know women in her age group who basically among themselves are like she shouldn't be here they should pull her out i can't believe she's raced this isn't fair Right. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Right. And part of me is like, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not, it's not her fault. She's good. Like whatever. So. Right. <laughs> what she's supposed to do race pro. Like you think of Karen at 50, like yeah. she could have gone either way. Right. Cause like, honestly, she wasn't, she was not <laughs> keeping up with the what at 20 50? something and 30 something no. pros like during this race in St. Croix. But at the same time, like, yeah, of course, we would have had the same comments and feedback if Karen Smyers was in your age group. But I mean, maybe that's Julie Moss has been racing age group again, honestly. And she's been like second and third and ten. like, you know, she's not whatever. Do you? Here's my OK. Converse, like oppositely. What's the word? Not conversely. Another take, Sarah. OK, Tell, like, here's oh, my theory that okay, I want you. So. I have never actually had this thought. I've never really been 
judgmental, like, oh, that's not going to be me. I've been like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to do whatever. Like, I'm going to try hard. And a lot of times I'm super not fit and I try it anyway. And maybe this is what's holding me back from being an elite. See, maybe I need to be more judgmental you need to in order to be better. <laughs> See, this is funny. You're reminding me of one time I was on a run with a friend, a fellow pro, and it was before like anyone who knows me, like I won two Ironmans at the very end of my career. Right. So I had like a, I had like 15 years of not winning Ironmans, <laughs> you know, and we decided during this run, that we were too nice to win. Yes. That was why we didn't win. We were yes. just too nice. So likewise, you're not judgmental enough. I think this is true. I think I'm not like, I think I get out there and I'm too like, you know what? You just do you and it's fine. And your best is good enough, but it's not because you don't win. I think we all know <laughs> I need to step it up. So in conclusion, that is that I need to be more judgmental and the opposite of you and Lauren Fleshman. Okay. I think what I would love to know is whether our listeners agree that Kelly needs to be more judgmental. <laughs> All right. That's not fair. I'm, I'm going to guess what way that's going to go. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> people don't understand that I'm actually very open-minded. So there. People can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top